Shalom. We are in the gospel according to Moses in the book of Exodus in lesson 44. And we have got one more critical lesson from Exodus chapter 17. Our focus is going to be on Exodus chapter 17 verse 15. Now recall, God had just assisted Israel in defeating the Amalekites at Rephidim. So as a result, we read the following. We're reading Exodus 17, verses 13 through 16. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord, Yahweh, said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. And he said, The Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. We've already commented in Lesson 43 that when we take a look at Lesson 44 that God is going to utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven, but he never said when. And one thing we can consider is all the enemies of God, the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God's people, the enemies of Christ, the enemies of Christians, the to all the enemies of God will be finally destroyed by the Messiah in his victorious return. So is that when the name of Amalek will be utterly blotted out from under heaven? Because we go to verse 16, the Lord says, I'm, I'm going to have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So those people who are utterly and despicably evil, whether they're Amalek or people like Amalek, is going to take us to the end of days. However, we read that phrase in verse 15, that the Lord is my banner. You probably remember it as Jehovah Nisi. You probably heard it that way. But the one thing I want to bring up right in here is there is no such word as Jehovah. It is a huge mistake that has carried down through the church since the 16th century. A Catholic Franciscan monk in the 16th century who didn't understand Hebrew, didn't understand what was going on, this Italian Catholic uh, Franciscan monk translated it as uh, Jehovah. A total error. I, I've linked you to an article that actually gives you the historical references to show you how much of an error that was. Now, in that article by David Biven, you will find that he pronounces God's name from the Tetragrammaton, the four Hebrew letters, yud Hey vav Hey. He pronounces it Yahweh. I don't because there's no W sound in Hebrew. So I pronounce it, for a variety of additional reasons, Yahweh. So just to let you know that indeed Jehovah Nisi is a terrible, incorrect translation. For me, I do not use it because I am in awe of God and I want to honor and give glory to his name. The yud Hey vav Hey Yahweh, and pronounce it as best as I can, as close as I can to maybe the original sound. So, it's Yahweh Nisi. The Hebrew word Nisi 
is H5251. And let me go to the International Varsity Bible background uh, commentary on the Old Testament. Because we're going to take a look at that word, Nisi. It's an ensign. It's a sign. It's a standard, a banner, a flag. And so the commentary from the InterVarsity Press Bible commentary on the Old Testament, they state, The altar Moses builds is one of commemoration of the victory. The name that he gives it, and again, like here in the IVP Bible commentary, they say Yahweh is my standard. Again, there's no W sound in Hebrew, so I'm going to say Yahweh. The name given it is Yahweh as my standard reflects the theology of Yahweh as the leader of the armies of Israel. In the Egyptian army, the divisions were named for various gods. The division of Amun, the division of Seth, etc. And the standards would identify the division by means of some representation of the god. Now what's very interesting is when you actually study hieroglyphics, Egyptian hieroglyphics, back even down to the 18th dynasty, what we find is hieroglyphics is a picture language. And with regards to the picture language, one of the things we find out is the picture that's used for the word God in ancient Egyptian is a flag. It's a banner. Matter of fact, you can go to the Temple of Karnak today, the archaeological remains of the Temple of Karnak in Luxor today. And you'll come, if you're coming from the west and entering the temple from the east, and you're going to be walking down that long pavement where you're going to have the rams on either side of you, the rams of Amun-Ra. And you're walking in, you're going to come to the first gate in Greek pylon. And in the pylon, on the left side are four slots. And the same thing on the right side, four slots. They're for banners. These are the banners that represent Amun-Ra. So in other words, with these banners hundreds of feet in the air, they're saying this is the house of God. So this is for all the Hebrews to understand God, to understand Yahweh, to understand the Lord, the Lord alone, that he's God, their God. And in him only do the, are they victorious. And again... What's fascinating for the Hebrews, they're coming out of Egypt. This was very meaningful. Remember, they had assimilated into the Egyptian culture. They probably took on the gods of Egypt, integrating them into their own lives and their own culture. And they were familiar with the Egyptian hieroglyphics. They would have been familiar with the fact that the banner at the Karnak Temple, or the banner used at any of the temples of the gods would stand for God. Hieroglyphics is a picture language, just like Proto-Consonental Hebrew, the oldest Hebrew, which was probably being just invented at the time of the Exodus. So Moses is inspired, inspired there, that indeed Yahweh is our banner. Yahweh is our God. 
and not Amun-Ra. Yahweh Nisi, our God, the most powerful, the creator, our savior. So in lesson 17, we discussed that the Sinai wilderness, as far as the Egyptians are concerned, was considered a place of isfit, a place of evil, death, not conducive to life, disorder, chaos. And in the Egyptian mythology, the gods of Egypt had no power over isfit or chaos. Matter of fact, Pharaoh's job, as long as he was alive, when you study the purpose of Pharaoh's life, any of the pharaohs, was to make sure that he supports ma'at, order, truth, good life, prosperity, goodness, and comes against and battles battles against chaos. Battles against it. The gods had to fight against chaos. But our God, the only God, he created the Sinai wilderness. He created the heavens and the earth. He created Isfit, the chaos. We read that right there in Genesis chapter 1. He has power over all of this. He feeds Israel in the Sinai wilderness, power over chaos. He gave them water to drink in the midst of a place where you can die of thirst and chaos. God, Yahweh, his power over chaos, the power over evil and disorder. It was God who gave victory to Israel and over the evil Amalekites. Yahweh Nisi, to a Hebrew then, it was a powerful statement. But there's more. The same word is used in a prophecy. A prophecy regarding Messiah. I'm in Isaiah chapter 11. I'll read verses 1 and 2. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Going to verse 10. Then in that day the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. Then it will happen on that day the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand the remnant of his people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathos, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he will lift up a standard for the nations and assemble the banished ones of Israel and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So what we have in verse 10 and what we have in verse 12 is that the root of Jesse is going to stand as a signal for the peoples. Anisi, a banner. Verse 12, he'll lift up a standard. A banner, Anisi. The word that's used here is banner, signal. Messiah, he's the root of Jesse. He's the line of Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus is our banner. And Jesus talks about the fact in John chapter 12, verse 32, that if he is lifted up like a banner, like a flag, 
then he will draw all men to himself. And we will live under his banner to declare who, who, who is our God. Exodus 17, 15. Yahweh is our banner. Isaiah eleven ten. The Messiah is our banner, or Jesus is our banner. So Christians, who's Jesus? What does the Bible say about him? It says that Yeshua is God. Jesus is God. Where in the Bible does it ever say that Jesus is God? Right here. And that's why it's so important to pay attention just to this one verse. So once again, we see the truth of Jesus' word in John 5.39. He's speaking to some of the temple officials, the chief priests, probably some scribes, other Levites. And there in the temple, he's saying, all scripture testifies of me. He says that probably between 24 and 30 AD. And the only scripture that they had in those days was the Hebrew scriptures. Some people call it the Old Testament. That's what's generally known at. I think we should call it the Hebrew Scriptures. And the five books of the Torah were the primary foundational books of their Bible in that day. And so here we see Jesus talking about being lifted up. Isaiah chapter 11, the prophecies of the Messiah being the standard, being the signal, the banner. And here in Exodus that the Lord is our banner. There is only one God, so who is Jesus? Now on top of that, remember the Amalekites, because we're back in Exodus again, and the Amalekites are really a clan of the Edomites. Amalek was the son of Eliphaz. Eliphaz was the son of Esau. So Amalek, the first Amalekite, was the grandson of Esau. And Esau was the father of the Edomites. So again, Amalek is a clan of the Edomites. And Edom means red. So Yahweh, Nisi, God, the God of Israel, is the God, is the banner of Israel. And he gave victory to his people over the Amalekites, a clan of the Edomites the Edomites, the red people. Edomites, the Amalekites, were the enemies of Israel. And Jesus, he's our banner. He's the banner for all people. He defeats the great enemy of Israel, the great enemies of Jews and Christians alike, the, the great enemy of God, the great enemy of Christ, the great red dragon the ultimate Edomite. <sighs> Just another awesome picture, you guys, that to understand the book of Revelation, we need to understand the Torah. Another, another example of seeing Jesus in the Torah and how the Torah carries all the way to the book of Revelation. It's another example, you guys, for me, of the joy I have in this work. I just hope and pray that these lessons, these podcasts that are bringing me so, such joy in, in putting them together may help you go deeper 
in your walk with our bridegroom, our Yeshua, who is our banner, who's our savior, and who has been lifted up so all of us are drawn to him. So I'll see you in lesson 45. Until then, shalom uvracha be Mashiach. Shalom and blessings in Messiah. Shalom and blessings in Christ. Thank you.